you know, I, I realize that every now and then I, I mention something about my family pretty quickly, and then I move past it fairly quickly, and um, many of you have heard uh, little stories here and there about my, you know, my parents' divorce and my dad, uh, his growing up, my mom's growing up, uh, difficult, some diff- difficult circumstances. My dad was born in Mississippi, Loosedale, Mississippi, small little town, you've never heard of it, and grew up on a farm. Uh, there was some abuse that happened, and uh, his father was an alcoholic and eventually took his own life. I, I've mentioned my dad found him. My mom uh, grew up in a, in a great family, but also had some challenges as she was growing up, as we all do, right? Every single one of us uh, grows up in uh, some different contexts. And I, I realize that I, I say those things at times, and then I move quickly by them, and some, some of you wonder, like, what's the rest of the story? Is there any more to that story? And I was thinking this week, in, in looking back, I was thinking how thankful I am for my parents. And even with the, the challenges that we had as a family, I'm so thankful for the love my mom and my dad gave to us as kids. And they wanted to, um, they wanted to make sure we had a foundation of, of love and encouragement, and they wanted to make sure we had a foundation of faith. And I think and look back even before my parents and you know, I've, I've mentioned about my dad's father uh, who, you know, just had a horrible disease, al- alcoholism, which really wrecks so many lives. And um, a few years ago when I was in, in Florida for my grandmother's funeral, my dad took me to the home he grew up in. So he was born in Mississippi, then they moved to, to Florida outside of uh, Fort Myers. And my dad took me to the home that he grew up in where a lot of this happened But then he took me to the church, and he reminded me that his parents wanted to make sure he had a foundation of faith in his life. And I remember we went to this little tiny church building, and uh, kind of a traditional southern church, Uh, basically one room and a little foyer uh, lobby. They called it a foyer. I don't know why they came up. Churches came up with different names for buildings and things, and um, so they had this uh, foyer, and I remember we went in this old church, and I remember thinking, um, I was looking around at different things, and I walked over to the walls, and um, the walls uh, were painted, it was kind of a whitish color, and it had texture to it, and I was thinking, well, that's kind of interesting, and my dad said, oh, when we painted this church, uh, when it was originally built, when we, we, we painted it, we actually painted it, and we put sand in the paint, to add the texture to the walls. And I was like, well, that's so weird. Like, and I think they did it to save money and it's like a water down the paint a little bit. I don't know why all they did it. And, and um, then my dad started telling me that his dad um, took his, his tractor and really cleared the land for the foundation of that church. I was thinking, how interesting, someone who um, had such challenges in his life with alcoholism, also had such a great story of how he invested in a way that would impact my father and then would impact me. And one of the important pieces of looking back is to, to see and remember God's faithfulness. 
And we have the tendency to think about and talk about the challenging times, but it's so good to look at the faithfulness of God with the people that we love. And I started thinking, you know, that journey of faith doesn't just go to my grandfather, but it, someone laid that foundation in his life and then in his life and her life and all the way back to this man, Jesus, who spent some time with 12 disciples. Think about this. Jesus with 12 disciples, and as he's about to leave the earth, he challenges them and says, I want you to go into all the world and, and make disciples. Teach them about me. Teach them to follow my commands. Teach them everything that you've seen and witnessed and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and he sends out th- these, these 12... And I want you to think, like today, you and I are part of millions who can trace our history of faith back to that moment. Is that crazy? I mean, millions of people in our world today gather for worship, all traced back to those 12 disciples that had gathered in that place. There's this story in Acts, and I want you to see just a piece of it. Um, where it says this, all the believers, uh, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing of meals, including communion, and to prayer. Like this was the focus of what began the early church and has continued from Jerusalem to Scottsdale, Fountain Hills, Phoenix, with I mean, just look in just this room. Look around in in just this room. What started as, you know, 13 multiplied millions of times over, and we are still talking about it today. Some of you are like, I don't, why why do you get so loud about that, Matt? I, I just, I find that fascinating. Rome, which was the, the most powerful force in the day of Jesus, does no longer exists as it did back then. But the church, which started from this itinerant preacher, rabbi, Jesus, and his disciples, has multiplied and has spread throughout the entire world. And y'all, we're a part of that. And so often, yeah, it's incredible. And so often, when we talk about the church and when we think about the church, we think about these buildings And I want us to remember, as we look back today, we're gonna look back a little bit today, I want us to remember that the church is not the building. It's not a bunch of bricks that have been organized and stacked together, held by mortar. That's not what the church is. The church is a gathered and scattered movement of Jesus people with a message of hope and a mission to serve, and we're all held together by love. That's what the church is. And you and I get to be a part, like we've been invited to be a part of a world-changing movement. Uh, you know, I, I love studying business and businesses that are successful. I love uh, thinking about like startup businesses and how they've done all the things that they've done. I, some of you will write me off when I say this. I'm an Apple fan. Like, I, like the devices that they've created have ruined our world, but they're beautiful, aren't they? I mean, they're incredible. And you think about like how a, a company like Apple started and the path that it was on, and, and you think about the ways that they've done what they've done, and um, it's amazing. 
Apple has nothing on the movement of Jesus. Now, you might look at it and you say, Matt, I don't know if you've looked at the stock price and if you would have bought stock back in the day. What it, it has nothing on the movement of Jesus, which began over 2,000 years ago and continues in a way that is not slowing down. We see it in the United States and we see sometimes some numbers that might make us nervous, but I want you to hear the movement of God is not slowing down in the world. It's not. It's, it's active here and it's active in ways that we don't even see. So all the believers, back to that passage, all the believers devoted themselves and, and when they devoted themselves to these activities and, and the, the centering around the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, when they devoted themselves to that, it says that the Lord added to their number daily. Like people coming into the, the fellowship is what they call it. It's such a good church word, the fellowship, the community. Um, daily, like God added to their number. And the word that jumped out at me uh, reading through this is that word devoted. And I'm gonna teach you a little Greek word, uh, or actually it's a big Greek word. And this big Greek word is, here it is. I told you. Pro? Car? Terry? Oh. Pros Carterio. Pros Carterio. Yeah, we butchered it, but it's okay. Devoted, it's how we usually translate it, devoted or persistent, but I love this translation. Relentless pursuit. Relentless pursuit. We, we are kind of approaching this time in our city here where we have you know, the Super Bowl this year, which is awesome, and we have the Phoenix Open, which is fun. Um, it's a party with some golf thrown in. And um, you think about the relentless pursuit of the athletes and coaches who have made it to this moment. And they have turned their attention and their focus and they've, they've, everything is centered around performing at a high level when the stakes are high. This kind of relentless pursuit is what led to the explosion of the church, which we are a part of today. And listen, um, some of this, we don't just look back and celebrate, but we also have to commit ourselves to the future of what God wants to do not just in our community, but with people who aren't even in this room yet. And did you know that God has a relentless pursuit over your neighbor and coworker and classmate who don't even know or speak the name of God yet? Did you know that? And God's called you and me to be a part of that whole story. So here we are as a church. We are a community. We're following Jesus. We're learning to love. Matt, why do you say that so much? because we need to be relentlessly pursuing that. A community, a community that welcomes people in and gives them a foundation of faith that will carry them through some of the most difficult moments of their lives. We need to follow Jesus and have a relentless pursuit that he's at the center of everything. And we need to learn and grow in the ways we love and have compassion for the least of these, those who have been marginalized and set aside by the world at large. This is our relentless pursuit as a church. McDowell, now I want you to hear this and I want you to know this, that uh, most churches 
all churches really have the same mission. We, we say it differently. We come up with creative ways to say it and express it. And, but listen, we are hand in hand with the churches around our community that are pursuing Jesus, and we're in it together. We are not in competition with those down the street who are proclaiming the name of Jesus. Did you know that? We're not. What we are after as a church is those who don't even realize that God is relentlessly pursuing them because of his great love for them. That's what we're about. We have some activity, some kind of core values. We, we gather together. It's important from the very beginning of Scripture. The gathering of the people was important. So we gather together. We invite others to be a part of this. We grow individually and in our spiritual lives. We, we relentlessly pursue growth in our lives, not just growth in numbers, but like growth in our lives. We serve because that's what Jesus did. That's what we want to be a part of. We give financially to see the kingdom further. That's why we encourage you to be a part of the mission through giving. And we pray because we believe prayer matters. We, we believe it matters. And sometimes prayer changes us in, in our humility in our coming to God with this sense of I need you, like that last song that we sang, when we, when we do that, it begins to change us and form us and open us to the love of God. And so um, we, we, as a church, we're pursuing these things and we're pursuing them not for any of ourselves, but for the good of the world and for the good of those who don't yet know God's great love. In Hebrews, which is a book that's centered on kind of who Jesus was, uh, there are these words, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. That's Jesus. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. It's this, it's this encouragement that we should, we should be together we should encourage and motivate one another to good things for the good of the world and so that God's kingdom can continue in a strong way. Now listen, I, was, I, almost, uh, I did some research. I almost wanted to put on the screen uh, some really depressing statistics about the church in the United States today. And here's why I didn't want to do that. It's because it's not true here. The church in the United States is on this downward um, trend we're not on a downward trend. We're actually in a better place than that, but I didn't want to speak about those things. The church will always be on a downward trend when the church is about itself and about gaining power over other people because Jesus was all about laying down his power for the good of other people. And so that's, that's what we want to do. We want to hold tightly to this hope that we have and we want to trust God, and we want to motivate one another to, to good things. It's not about us. It's about what God wants to do. Now, um, I say this. I, I don't think I can express it uh, enough. I love you, and I love our church. I'm so, I'm so grateful for this body of believers, this community, in ways that I can't even express to you. Um, this week, Robin and I, 
are headed to a round table with pastors and spouses. And um, every time I go to a, a, a meeting like this, I just am so proud of our church and I'm so proud of who we are becoming. We're not there, we haven't arrived. That's sad, isn't it? You're like, I wanna arrive. We're not there, I mean, we've, it's a journey and we're always gonna be on the journey, but I'm just, I just love our church. I, I love our church and I hope you love it too. I hope you love this place. I hope, I hope that you have some passion for what God wants to do in and through this place. I hope God is doing some things in your life. I believe he is. I hear stories. You tell me stories. Um, I pray that God would use this for good in your life and in your world and that he would spur in you something that would cause you to begin loving others in a radical way. And I pray that that would be true for me too. And when I'm honest, there are times when I sit back and I'm like, oh man, God's amazing, he's done great things, now I'm just gonna rest. And God's like, don't stop, don't stop. There are too many people. The, the fields are ripe with harvest. There are too many people who need to know the love of our Heavenly Father. So um, what I wanna do in just a minute is give you a snapshot of where we've been this last year. It's so good to do this, to celebrate the love of God. So if you'll grab this, um, kind of take this out and uh, open it up first all the way to the middle, just like, like open it all the way up. And we had so much fun as a staff, like pulling pictures and looking back over this last year. Um, this, these are different gatherings of the church and different things that are going on, and you've got some other ones there throughout the year of things that, are God, that God is doing. Look at, up in the left corner, Student Life Winter Camp. These are sixth through 12th graders. I think close to 140 kids last year. 140 students took a weekend to be together at camp to hear about God's love, to be challenged to have a foundation of Jesus in their life, where else is that happening in the world? I tell you, it's not in the school. Are you with me? That's not what is most important in the schools around, you know, around us, and, and that's okay, that's not their, their mission. It is our mission to invest in the next generation, the coming generations, and to build a foundation of faith for them. So I love pictures like that. Bloom, uh, we, I think we had like 200 women here this week. Uh, Lindsay and her team built this great, yeah, th connection event um, for women uh, at Bloom. You know, our Easter sunrise service was crazy. The babies that were born, the baptisms that happened at the movies was such a fun way to take current culture and help us see it shaped by the love of Jesus, see it a little bit differently. Um, the ways that we're serving and working with our serve team. I mean, just all these different things. I love our church and I love looking back and celebrating all the good things that happened. Now, I wanna talk about some numbers just for a second. But when I talk about numbers, I want you to, to hear this and know this, that numbers, sometimes people are like, why are numbers so important? Here's why, because every number has a name. And every name has a story, and every story is important to God. That's why we talk about numbers. 
Numbers are representative of names. And if you look at scripture, you find a lot of different numbers in different places. There's a book called Numbers in the Bible. Did you know that? It's crazy. Numbers are important to God. Numbers are important to us, not because of the number, but because of what those numbers represent. It's people. And so there's some numbers that I wanna share with you that I think are incredibly exciting. Um, this gives you just a, a little glimpse of some things that happened over this last year. So our Sunday, like when we talk about attendance, that's this, that's like the gathering of our people. Our attendance uh, in person, obviously out of the pandemic is, has been growing. And you can see on here, like in person, 752 every Sunday as an average, we're gathering to worship God, to turn their attention, their affection to God, uh, a little over 1,000 total. Just so you know, at the beginning of this year, just a month in, we actually average in person over 1,000 people gathering to turn their attention. That's God multiplying our efforts. Isn't that awesome, what God's doing to pull people in? And that's about you inviting. Um, one of the things that, that we never wanna lose sight of is new life through baptism and babies whose parents are standing here to recognize them as a gift of God. We had over, we had 30 baptisms last year, people who were claiming faith in Jesus for the first time and being baptized about that. Our Easter and Christmas Eve gatherings, um, such great energy to celebrate, number one, the birth of Jesus, which changes everything, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, which changes our lives and moves us into new life in Christ. It's just incredible. Look at the serve team. We have 288 active serve team members who make this happen. So many behind the scenes. Um, behind this wall, many of you have never been back there. Um, don't sneak back there, somebody will tackle you. Um, we have volunteers back there right now that you, you'll never probably see that are helping to make this happen online for our online worship, people who are online worshiping together. We have people behind here. We have teachers down in the children's ministry right now who are spending time with our kids to build a foundation of faith in the next generation. How awesome is that? It's incredible, yeah. So we're taking pictures right now. We're taking pictures of who's clapping because we need you to be a part of what's going on and serving in these different areas. We really do, we, we need more people because we have more kids who are gathering in this place. We have over six, uh, 600, wait, go back one. We have over 600 participants in our groups and Bible studies who are trying to study to learn and grow in their faith so they might live it out differently. 361 kids and students at camp, over 300 first-time visitors in our Next Generation Ministries. It's just incredible. Um, one of the, the pastors that I listen to, uh, Craig Rochelle, he says this, this he kind of built this in, into the church that he planted, but I'm stealing it. <laughs> and I want, us, I want us to own this. We are not spiritual consumers. I want, I want you to hear that. Like we, we do not come to church as consumers to sit and take, take, take. There are seasons when we need to heal. Don't hear what I'm not saying. There are seasons when we need to heal and we need to receive, we need to be encouraged, all that is true. But at the end of the day, as followers of Jesus, we are not consumers, we are contributors. The church doesn't exist for us, we are the church and we exist for the world. Come on. That, that, I, I, I want to own that and I want us 
to buy into the, the truth and the reality that we are not just consumers. We're not just sitting back consuming. We are actually contributing, and that con- contribution could be a game changer for everyone. And the reason I wanted you to see that is because this next one is a picture of how we're, we're doing that, that very thing. Our missions highlights, I love this. We visited four different countries as the world begins to open up, we'll even visit more. Uh, over 50 people from McDowell invested their time and their money to go overseas for the very purpose of serving other people. Come on. They took vacation and they spent their own money to go serve other people. It's incredible and it's a life-changing experience. If you've never done it, you need to go somewhere and serve. Our local good, in terms of our practice here, we had over 600 individuals who served with our local good partners that we can measure. They're actually probably more than that. That almost matches our Sunday morning average attendance, which is off the charts. That's incredible. We want you to serve. And not just within the walls of the church. We want to be people who are doing good in our local communities. Over 140 backpacks were collected, distributed. Uh, 9,300 diapers last year. I don't know who counted those. Um, But everyone counts for the moms who need them and the dads who need them. Uh, Water for the homeless, the houseless in our our communities, so very important. Um, I love the way that God is moving us to, to give and to serve. This picture on the bottom right is our volunteers at track camp. And these volunteers make it possible for foster kids in the valley to have a summer camp experience that they wouldn't have if it weren't for those who gave and invested their time. And we, we, we need to do these kind of things to build a foundation of faith for those who might not never know if it weren't for this. Now listen, God can use whatever God wants to use. And I think when he invites us, we should be a part of it because there's more joy in being able to do this now and give ourselves away in all these different ways. Um, I I think there's more joy in that than sitting on the sidelines and just watching. Um, Someone asked me, are you going to the Super Bowl? And um, I was like, have you seen the ticket prices? Are you going to the Super Bowl? If so, let me tell you about our capital campaign. And here's the deal. If you're going to the Super Bowl, that's awesome. You're going to have a blast. It'll be a lot of fun. You know what? I would a lot rather be on the field than sit on the sidelines and watch. I'd a lot rather play and get in the game. And the same is true when it comes to our spiritual lives. It's so much better to get in the game than to sit on the sidelines. Get in the game. Don't sit on the sidelines. Like, get involved and be a part of it. Um, finances. Let me show you just a little picture of our finances. Uh, my first year here, 2008, our total income was $752,000. This year, we gave that much just to reduce our debt so we can do more ministry in the life of this church. Our total income, and this is about your generosity and the ways that God is, is using you, um, all of us who contribute, three, almost $3.5 million uh, came in. Our expenses uh, were about $3.1 million dollars. Um, after debt reduction, 740000 you might look at that and you might go, well, does that mean we were in the red? We were in the red only because we had saved up some money 
because we knew as interest rates rose, we wanted to pay down our debt. And so in terms of our budgeted expenses, we were in the black. And it's so, I'm just so grateful for your generosity and the ways that you give to the mission. Look at this, 654 giving households in this church. It's incredible. And it doesn't matter if you give $5 or $5 million. Like every little bit moves the kingdom of God forward. Get in the game. Don't sit on the sidelines. 77 new giving households participated this last year. There's, there's so many little pieces uh, in here that just give us a glimpse of what God has done. And this is God's story. This is how God is using our community to move his kingdom forward. And so I hope you'll take some time to look at this and celebrate it, and I hope it encourages you. Um, one last thing, and we're gonna wrap up. Last week, uh, Dean Bloxham, and I'm gonna invite Dean to, to join me. Dean introduced us uh, to something that we think is gonna be really important for our church, and that is to get to a, a place of um, debt-free ministry. We really wanna move in that direction. And we're gonna uh, have just a really short little capital campaign. Uh, we've had, we counted how many capital campaigns have we had since the beginning? Five. We've had five capital campaigns. We haven't had one since like 18, 2018. And you said something a couple weeks ago to me. You said, Matt, this could be our last one. I can't tell you how exciting that is for me. This could be our last one. Me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've been a part of all of them. So. Um, you walked through a little bit of the timeline, and it just it made me think of some things, some stories that I heard. I wasn't here um, when, when all of this took place, but I, I remember this story. In 2006, the first part of this building was completed, and all the chairs in the upper deck here, I call it the upper deck, I don't know why, um, <laughs> There was a wall there, and it was children's classrooms behind there. So it's hard for you to imagine. Those of you who have been here, you remember that. Um, and so there were 300 seats in this bottom ring. And the church opened uh, on Christmas Eve of 2006. But the fire marshal told you you weren't going to have occupancy. Yeah, we kept getting these, someone coming in and telling us that this was going to take a little longer, and this was going to take a little longer. And we kept nodding our heads Don Doe was leading that pack of just, okay, but we'll be open on Christmas. And, and that's what happened. Uh, there were people, w one of the things I did was before there was any chairs in here, I was here one day, we were sealing the floor. And being a mortgage banker, I'm an expert on floor sealant. <laughs> and I remember doing this going, man, I don't even know if this is doing anything or why we're doing <laughs> it. Uh, and then late at night, I think the night before, people were drilling holes and putting those seats in and somehow we still opened on Now, I, I, I want to I stop there just for a second. The people who were drilling holes and putting the chairs in the floor were not paid contractors. No. They were people in the church who were relentlessly pursuing this place being open for the good of the community. It's incredible. When I got here in 2008, uh, the market was in a complete meltdown. The housing industry... Um, thanks a lot, Dean. It was a mess. <laughs> and um, something happened that I, I had never experienced or seen. Uh, we, were, we were making a lot of our payments, but having a difficult time uh, being able to make all of those things. And there were some families who did something that I just can't even imagine. Yeah, we woke up 
every Monday morning, and, and me and one of the administrators would go through the bills and figure out which ones we paid, and uh, like they had to be paid. And then I'd get on the phone with a few families, and we would figure out how to gather the money uh, just to pay those bills to keep the lights on and, and keep us open and ready for next Sunday. Uh, it was, it's funny, when you look back at hard times, sometimes they're your best memories, and it's what brings you closest to the Lord because you just kept providing over and over again. And one of the things we want to make sure is we never get in a position like that again. And being debt-free will be a significant, significant step in that. I'm yeah. pretty excited about that. Yeah, in those, in those days, um, there were some uh, families, and again, I, I had never experienced this. I was a young pastor at the time. Um, some, some families in this church, some who are still in this community, who wrote personal checks for the mortgage of the church so that we would not lose this building. And I look back on that, and I think, if we would have lost this building, I mean, think about that. If we would have lost this building, none of this might be happening. Now, something else might be happening here, but it's, it's the sacrifice of people who are relentlessly pursuing the kingdom of God that make that happen, which is incredible. Yeah. I think part of those stories is why you keep hearing us say, we just want you to participate. Yeah. Uh, it's just be part of the story. And when, when I first started thinking about uh, the beginning of the church and when we ended up in here and and I keep thinking of Don and Lori and the courage it took for them to do that and how it must have felt when we were in here that first Christmas. Don and I were standing outside in the lobby one day uh, before we opened, and we were all pretty exhausted from getting to that point. And I finally said, Don, if, if just one person walks in here and they're saved, it was all worth it. And Don said, no, Dean, if just one more person walks in. And when you walk through this today, Matt, it just hit me. All those stories just for 2022, there's one person over and over and yeah. over again. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible to see what God can do when all of us contribute at some level. Time, not just money. I mean, we're talking a little bit about money, but the truth is it's time too. It's those teachers down in the children's classrooms. Like that matters to a kid who will one day maybe experience this unbelievable love of, of the Heavenly Father. Let, let me give you just real quick some what we're talking about. Um, this next slide shows you kind of our total debt. We're at $2.1 million. Uh, last year, we paid down our debt $740,000, which means a year ago today, our debt was almost $3 million. And look at what God has done through our faithful giving and our generosity. Our interest rate this is one of the reasons this is really important now. Our interest rate has gone from 0.9. Yeah, it's gone up five times. Yeah, to, to five. And so we just want to be good stewards of what it's God Probably gives not us. going down anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think it's going down. <laughs> uh, our monthly payments, just so you know, are about $30,000. 10000 of that is interest, 20000 principal. We have a, a payment that we're committed to making uh, in the summer, in, in June, because we promised to become debt-free and to move this along as aggressively as possible. So this next slide um, gives you a little bit of, of what the ask is. Um, we're, we're just asking that you consider, prayerfully consider an over and above gift, like mo more than what you normally give. And I know that's a big ask, and I'm not very good at that, um, but I'm inviting you to be a part of what God wants to do to move us to a healthier place. We're working to make a $500,000 payment by June 1st. Yeah. So when we talk about 100% participation, 
Uh, I don't think I displayed this very well last week because I didn't get the reaction that I thought. <laughs> Just the board and the staff, so about 25 families, have already raised $125,000 towards those numbers. Yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. There's the response I'm looking yeah. for. <laughs> I mean, that... And that's just a way to encourage everybody to participate. And uh, I think it's a great start to, what we're, to where we're heading. Yeah. Um, you can learn a little bit more. You can find the places to give, mcdowell.church slash byfaith. Um, one last thing, and we'll, we'll wrap it up. A couple board members are going to hang out down front in just a few minutes as we are done. And if you have any questions, you can slip up and ask questions as people are leaving. Um, I, I, I really spent one of my very first ministry assignments in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and uh, the church there was a debt-free church, and I got to see firsthand what it looks like for a debt-free church to pursue the ministry God puts in front of them. And let me give you just a couple quick examples. Um, in that church environment, when the city raised some alarms about uninsured or underinsured people in the city, the church was able to start and fully fund a free medical clinic so that anybody in the city who needed medical care could find it and not be turned away because they didn't have insurance. The church was able to do that. It's interesting to me that when Jesus is defining the end of time and he kind of is talking about how God will divide us up, it was, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Like you met a real tangible need. That's where we want to move as a church. We want to be in a place that we can respond to whatever needs uh, arise right around us. We want to invest in next generation ministries because we believe so much that we are working against the tide in reaching the next generation for Christ. And we don't want to lose. We don't want to lose anyone. So uh, becoming debt-free will allow us to respond and to invest more and more in those places. I mean, think about our monthly payment, $30,000. If we could invest that monthly in direct ministry, God can do amazing things. So um, some of you are wondering, are you going to talk about this every week <laughs> until we hit 2.1 million? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, here, our plan was to talk for these two weeks, so last week and this week, and then really um, you'll get some updates on email just to, to let you know. Uh, we just want you to know about the need, and we want to ask you to prayerfully consider um, participating, contributing, so that we can move in that direction. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and, yeah. and also on any questions, you can also go to McDowell. It's on, it's on the FAQ. Yeah. And so you can email just us. email them, and it will get to one of us, and We'll get right back to you, too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, would you stand with us? And um, aren't you thankful for what God's doing here? Yep. Yeah, and you're a part of that. We love you, McDowell. We're so thankful. Wear your jerseys next week. We're going to have some fun. Uh, we have a prayer partners that are going to hang out on this side. A couple board members going to hang out on this side. So much good. May God bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Amen? Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.